And as humans, it almost seems natural for us to worry about things and to worry about other people. Uh, I'm sure that as parents, uh, most of you know the worry for your children. Um, you know, we worry about uh, different things that we're facing in the future. And many of those things are out of our control. Uh, however, as we look at the, the rest of God's creation... As we look at everything else that God has created, we must realize that humans are the only living beings that worry. Plants don't have any worries. Animals really don't have any worries. But people do. Almost as if it, it is a human invention to some degree. God's Word tells us not to worry. And we're going to look tonight at, at some different aspects of worry, uh, but we're not to, to dedicate our lives to worry. And we're to understand that God's will is done whether we worry about it or not. And as much as we should not worry, there is a difference between worry and concern. There are some things that we should concern ourselves with as Christians. But, but make sure that, that as far as the things that are out of our control are concerned, that we do not worry about them. Our, our lesson objectives for tonight are, first of all, to, to learn the difference between worry and godly concern. And secondly, to learn how to be more concerned and worried less. So as we begin our lesson for tonight, we're going to spend a, a, a portion of our lesson on godly concern and the things that we really should be concerning ourselves with as far as Christianity is concerned. The difference between godly concern and worry, I think, is found uh, put very well by Paul in Philippians chapter 4, which was our scripture reading, but we'll begin here tonight. Philippians chapter 4 and beginning with verse 4. Rejoice in the Lord always. Again, I will say rejoice. Let your gentleness be known to all men. The Lord is at hand. Be anxious for nothing. But in everything, by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. And the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and minds through Christ Jesus. Finally, brethren, whatever things are true, whatever things are noble, Whatever things are just, whatever things are pure, whatever things are lovely, whatever things are of good report, if there is any virtue and if there is anything praiseworthy, meditate on these things. The things which you learned and received and heard and saw in me, these do, and the God of peace will be with you. In verse 10, But I rejoiced in the Lord greatly, 
that now at last your care for me has flourished again, though you surely did care. As we look at Philippians 4 and verses 4 through 10, we see a great deal of things that that we need to put our minds on. One of the things that that Paul says here in verse 8, finally, brethren, uh, well, actually, let's go back up to verse 6. Be anxious for nothing, but in everything, by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. Put your finger there, if you turn in your Bible, and turn with me to 1 Samuel chapter 9, verses 3 through 6. And we see a good example here of exactly what Paul is saying. In 1 Samuel chapter 9, and beginning with verse 3, we read this. This is about Saul. This is before he became king of Israel. Now the donkeys of Kish, Saul's father, were lost. And Kish said to his son Saul, Please take one of the servants with you, and arise, go and look for the donkeys. So he passed through the mountains of Ephraim, and through the land of Shalisha. But they did not find them. Then they passed through the land of Shalem, and they were not there. Then he passed through the land of the Benjamites, but they did not find them. When they had come to the land of Zuf, Saul said to his servant who was with him, Come, let us return, lest my father cease caring about the donkeys and become worried about us. And he said to him, Look now, there is in this city a man of God, and he is an honorable man. All that he says surely comes to pass. So let us go there. Perhaps he can show us the way that we should go. Saul was given good advice by his servant. He was worried about his father, worrying about him. But the servant says, let's go to the man of God and seek what he has to say. And that's exactly what Paul is doing in in the book of Philippians, in his letter to the Philippians, He is telling them, be anxious for nothing, but in everything by prayer and supplication. With thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. What Paul is telling the Philippians to do is when you have a worry, when you have something that that you are, are dealing with, don't keep it to yourself. Share it with God. Take it to God. Go to Him in prayer. Let your requests be made known to Him. But be anxious for nothing. And in addition to to what he is saying here in verses 6 and 7, and he gives the result of this, if if we let God help us with our burdens, he says that the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and minds, through Christ Jesus. And in addition to, to all of this, he gives some things that the Philippians, that we as Christians need to meditate on. The things that we need to, to really think about 
and really apply to our lives. Beginning with verse 8, whatever things are true, whatever things are noble, whatever things are just, whatever things are pure, whatever things are lovely, whatever things are of good report, if there is any virtue, and if there is anything praiseworthy, meditate on these things. The things of God, the, the things of a Christian, those things are the things that we should concern ourselves with. Instead of worrying about the things that we can't control, we need to meditate on God, meditate on His Word and the things that are in it. We also see that the Philippians were concerned for Paul and he praised them for their concern. This is different than worry about something that, that you can't control, but they had a genuine concern for Paul's welfare. And we should be concerned with the welfare of others, just as they were concerned with his and of those that worked with him. This is not an ungodly type of worry by any means. Not the kind of worry that we should avoid. We have an example of true concern a couple of chapters back in Philippians chapter 2. Let's notice what it said in verses 19 through 30. Philippians 2 beginning with verse 19. But I trust in the Lord Jesus to send Timothy to you shortly, that I also may be encouraged when I know your state. For I have no one like-minded who will sincerely care for your state. For all seek their own, not the things which are of Christ Jesus. But you know his proving character, that as a son with his father he served with me in the gospel. Therefore I hope to send him at once, as soon as I see how it goes with me. But I trust in the Lord, that I myself shall also come shortly. Yet I considered it necessary to send to you Epaphroditus, my brother, fellow worker, and fellow soldier, but your messenger and the one who ministered to my need, since he was longing for you all and was distressed because you had heard that he was sick. For indeed he was sick almost unto death, but God had mercy on him, and not only on him, but on me also, lest I should have sorrow upon sorrow. Therefore I sent him the more eagerly, that when you see him again you may rejoice, and I may be less sorrowful. Receive him therefore in the Lord with all gladness, and hold such men in esteem. Because for the work of Christ he came close to death, not regarding his life, to supply what was lacking in your service toward me. As Paul was concerned for, for the Philippians, so they were concerned for his welfare and also the welfare of his fellow laborers. And, and we see a different, this is not, again, the kind of worry that, that we need to avoid. But they were concerned. It was a godly concern. And, and likewise, the concern was mutual. It, it wasn't just from the Philippians to those uh, like Paul and those that worked with him. But likewise, they were concerned for the Philippians. 
and in verse 30. Because for the work he came close to death. Not regarding his life to supply what was lacking in your service toward me. As he speaks of Epaphroditus, as he speaks of this sickness, he was not worried about his own death. He, he was not worried about his own welfare, really, as much as he was worried, not really worried, but concerned for his fellow brethren. So we have a, a different idea here in Philippians 2, verses 19 through 30 as well. And let's look also at Luke chapter 10. This one is more familiar to us. Mary and Martha. And in Luke chapter 10, beginning with verse 38, we read this. Luke 10 and verse 38. Now it happened as they went that he entered a certain village, and a certain woman named Martha welcomed him into her house. And she had a sister called Mary, who also sat at Jesus' feet and heard his word. But Martha was distracted with much serving. And she approached him, Jesus, and said, Lord, do you not care that my sister has left me to serve alone? Therefore, tell her to help me. And Jesus answered and said to her, Martha, Martha, you are worried and troubled about many things, but one thing is needed, and Mary has chosen that good part which will not be taken away from her. The type of worry here was not the emphasis but that her worry over worldly things was greater than her concern for spiritual matters. She was worried about how Jesus was going to be served. She was worried that Mary wasn't helping her, but Mary was focused on spiritual matters. And she was listening to Jesus. She had chosen the good part and she had made the right choice. See, that's what worry is. Whenever we worry about things in the wrong way, we're worrying about worldly things. We're worrying about temporal things. And we have a lack of concern for the things of God. And we'll see that as we get a little further into our lesson. Let's turn our attention to ungodly worry. Ungodly worry. Worry is defined in many different ways. I'm only going to give you a few. Worry. To give way to anxiety or unease. Allow one's mind to dwell on difficulty or trouble. Worry. A state of undue solicitude. A state of disturbance from care and anxiety. Vexation. Anxiety. Fret. As to be in a worry. Worry. 
to feel or express undue care and anxiety, to manifest disquietude or pain, to be fretful, to chafe. As the child worries, the horse worries. Is the example given for that. And there are other definitions that express the thought of worrying others with unnecessary cares and concerns or to provoke them to worry. Because we are worried about many things, they may be worried about the same things because we provoke them to worry. The type of worry expressed here is unhealthy and can cause stress and harm to our physical bodies. Remember that, that worry is something that only people do. None of the rest of creation worries like people do. And, and it's something that, that is stressful for us. It, it does take a toll on our bodies. Those weighed down by worry and stress seem to age more rapidly sometimes than usual. I, I remember, it wasn't that long ago, I guess, but there is an example. Someone had, had made a, a video or, or something, but they, they posted several photographs of the presidents of the United States from pictures from when they began their term and pictures when they left their term. And all of them, even in four to eight years, had aged dramatically. Worry, stress can take a toll on our physical bodies. As a matter of fact, many programs and organizations have been created to help us deal with the many stresses in our lives. Jesus taught his followers not to worry about the things that are outside of our control. In Matthew chapter 6, verses 25 through 34, probably one of the, the most memorable passages that deals with worry. In the Sermon on the Mount, Jesus says this in Matthew 6, beginning with verse 25. Therefore I say to you, do not worry about your life, what you will eat or what you will drink, nor about your body, what you will put on. Is not life more than food and the body more than clothing? Look at the birds of the air, for they neither sow nor reap nor gather into barns, yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not of more value than they? Which of you, by worrying, can add one cubit to his stature? Verse 28, So why do you worry about clothing? Consider the lilies of the field, how they grow. They neither toil nor spin. And yet I say to you that even Solomon in all his glory was not arrayed like one of these. Now if God so clothes the grass of the field, which today is and tomorrow is thrown into the oven, will he not much more clothe you, O you of little faith? Therefore do not worry, saying, What shall we eat? Or, or what shall we drink? Or what shall we wear? For after all these things the Gentiles seek. For your heavenly Father knows that you need all these things. But seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. And all these things 
shall be added to you. Therefore do not worry about tomorrow, for tomorrow will worry about its own things. Sufficient for the day is its own trouble. Of the rest of God's creation, is there any living creature that worries about tomorrow? Jesus expresses this question. What can worry add to one's life? Which of you by worrying can add one cubit to his stature? Even heathen nations, such as the Gentiles, uh, those that, that did not serve God. As we look at, at them, we see worldly cares and worldly troubles. They worried about things of a temporal nature, such as food and, and clothing. And, and I think maybe even more so than in excess than anything else. But worrying about them will not supply us with our needs. Worry, worry only serves to exaggerate our problems. If there is something that needs to be changed, change it. If there is something that you can do to, to, to take care of yourself or to take care of your families, do it. But don't worry about it. God will provide. And what worry really does is it, it takes our mind away from God. It, it takes our mind away from His Word. It takes our minds and hearts away from Him and the things that He wants us to concern ourselves with. Jesus says, Seek first the kingdom of God and His righteousness. And all these things all these things of a worldly nature, what you will wear, what you will be fed with, all of these things shall be added to you. In Matthew chapter 4, in the temptations of Jesus, we read this. Matthew 4, beginning with verse 1. Then Jesus was led up by the Spirit into the wilderness to be tempted by the devil. And when he had fasted forty days and forty nights, afterward he was hungry. Physically speaking, Jesus was hungry. In verse 3, now when the tempter came to him, he said, If you are the Son of God, command that these stones become bread. Remember that Jesus was hungry hungry. It was a temptation for him not to do that. He could have done that and he could have fed his physical body. But he answered and said in verse 4, it is written, man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds from the mouth of God. See, Jesus wasn't worried about what he was going to eat. He wasn't worried about things of a worldly nature. He was with his Father. He was meditating on the things of God. And what Satan's temptation would, would do, if he had done this, he would have been distracted.
from the things of God, from the things of His Father, from meditating on His will. Abram is a good example of worry. In Genesis chapter 12, verses 10 through 20, we see that Abraham's focus was taken away from God. And in verse 10, we read, Now there was a famine in the land. And Abram went down to Egypt to dwell there, for the famine was severe in the land. And it came to pass when he was close to entering Egypt that he said to Sarai his wife, Indeed, I know that you are a woman of beautiful countenance. Therefore, it will happen when the Egyptians see you that they will say, This is his wife. And they will kill me, but they will let you live. Please say you are my sister, that it may be well with me for your sake, and that I may live because of you. So it was when Abram came into Egypt that the Egyptians saw the woman, that she was very beautiful. The princes of Pharaoh also saw her and commended her to Pharaoh. And the woman was taken to Pharaoh's house. He treated Abram well for her sake. He had sheep, oxen, male donkeys, male and female servants, female donkeys and camels. But the Lord plagued Pharaoh and his house with great plagues because of Sarai, Abram's wife. And Pharaoh called Abram and said, What is this you have done to me? Why did you not tell me that she was your wife? Why did you say she is my sister? I might have taken her as my wife. Now therefore, here is your wife. Take her and go your way. So Pharaoh commanded his men concerning him. And they sent him away with his wife and all that he had. You see, Abram's attention was turned to worry. It was turned away from, from the promises of God. And he worried about what he would eat. He worried about things of a temporal nature. Worrying about his needs turned his heart away from God, distracting him with taking care of his needs before doing God's will. His worry for food caused him to worry about his wife, so they agreed to lie about their relation to one another. He worried about his own life in that respect. And we have to remember that even a half-truth is still a lie. God had supplied Abraham's every need to this point. But he failed in this matter to trust him. And it distracted him in other ways as well, causing him to lie about Sarai. Not trusting or even turning to God was his mistake. While he filled himself physically, while he had everything that, that one could imagine, he was starving himself spiritually. You see, we can't take our focus off of God. That's what Satan wants us to do. He wants us to worry so that we'll be distracted away from God. We need to always trust God.
in everything that we do. We need to trust them. In everything that we need, we need to trust them. And as Paul said, we need to turn to him with our needs. Allowing him to help us bear our burdens. In Proverbs chapter 3, verses 5 and 6, we read these great words of wisdom. Trust in the Lord with all your heart, and lean not on your own understanding. In all your ways acknowledge Him, and He shall direct your paths. Trusting in the Lord means that we are looking to Him in situations and in things that are outside of our control. And the things that we do control, we should look for God's guidance in. Making sure that, that we are doing His will. And though the way may be difficult, and we're not promised an easy path, we're promised an easier path, and there is a difference. And though we may have a difficult way to go, it is made easier by God because He helps us by taking away the stress of worrying about our future. We know that with God, we are safe in His care. Our souls are in His care. And we are safe in His keeping. Are you trusting in God tonight as you should? Is there something in your life that you need to change? Remember what we said earlier. If there is something that, that you're worrying about, something that you need to change, change it. Make sure that you're trusting in God. Are you worried about your eternity? Maybe it is that, that you've not obeyed the gospel and you need to do that. And if you do need to obey the gospel, if you do need to be baptized for the remission of your sins, if there's a way that we can help you in that, we'd be glad to do that. If you're unsure about your eternity. Maybe it is that you have obeyed the gospel. Maybe you need to come back. Maybe you've not lived as faithfully as you should and you know you need to change. And maybe it's something that you can't do on your own. Maybe you need the prayers of your brothers and sisters. Maybe you need to ask for forgiveness. But certainly if there is any way that, that you stand subject to the Lord's invitation, if there is any way that we can help you, we give you that opportunity as together we stand and as we stand.